three, two, one, click. Everybody good? I really hesitated for a moment because I wasn't sure whether to click on the one or not. From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 183. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Hover Away and Casper. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by your two other hosts. We're all equal footing, even though I'm the one announcing the show. Up first, we have Michael Hurley. Michael, how are you? You were very, very traditional this week. Well, I am now, but will it be that way in the edit? No one knows. Yeah, could, anything could happen. It could be in reverse. Server me, server me. We also are joined, of course, by Mr. Federico Fatici. Hey, buddy. Hi. It's Hi, how are you? It's good to have you back. Yes, yes. I was absent last week. I was absent in the body, but present Where in the spirit. Were you, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it almost, it's almost strange to be able to talk to you in real time instead of having this sort of godlike commentary coming from above into our ears, into our show. Yeah. It's, a, it's strange. Are you a real person? I think so. Even? Or, okay, okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. Taken. So this is the this show. This is the show. Yes. Uh, we start with follow up. With you. <laughs> and uh, well, I think we already talked about one. Last week I was absent. Uh, and uh, I was absent, but I still edited the show. So uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, maybe listen to the first couple minutes and you'll get a taste of whatever that was. It was really good. You did a really good job. I think the Stephen error has been just a huge success so far. <laughs> I will say, for the listener who's rolling their eyes at me right now, I did not put this in the show notes. I did not put this in follow-up. Someone else did. He really, it's like, in, like it just in big, bold letters, you must applaud me. It's very, right. very upsetting. Or I'll, I'll string your words together and make you say terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> So let's uh, let's jump in. Uh, what is this? Yeah, I have I have a few clarifications, corrections, and pieces of follow up um, from last week. Uh, Maj pointed out the uh, correction in we were talking about the fingerprint sensor. You know, talk about that in screen fingerprint sensor. So um, it is made by a company called Synaptic, um, the phone maker Vivo. They didn't make it. That was what I said. I was I was incorrect on that. Uh, Vivo is just the first manufacturer to use it. So that's a good thing because it then means that Synaptic, the company that makes this fingerprint sensor, they can sell it far and wide because it's just a part made by a vendor is what it looks like so far. And Vivo, for whatever reason, um, it's a manufacturer in China, is the first one to really be doing anything public with it. It might be because it's a tricky part or an expensive part, so it's being done at low volume. I don't know, but... Um, Synaptic is the company, and they make those sensors. I, I do wonder. I mean, it, it's great that it's like this third party, like OEM, other phone, you know, companies could go and and buy this thing and integrate it. But I just I wonder, and you guys talked a little about this. Like, is there a market for this thing? Like, Apple's not going to go back to a fingerprint reader. Android almost like uh, Android. <laughs> Android will keep doing. There will be a lot and lot of Android phones that will do fingerprint sensors. If anything, just to cater for people that don't like the face scanning, right? So if you've got so much choice, I just wonder if those customers are used to it being on the back, and that you know what I mean. Like, would they make the move to put it back on the front where it used to be? I think the back is nice. The front is normal, um, and I think that 
if you can have so much of the screen be the sensor, that makes it good to put it on the front again, right? Because you, you've added an additional incentive. Like if you can cover a quarter of the screen so you don't actually have to put your finger or your thumb in a specific place, that is enough of an incentive to move it again, right? In my opinion, because now you've created something that is vastly superior. Um, many people also recommended to me uh, a way to trick Face ID into triggering a new scan. So this is something that I was complaining about, that like if you're looking at your home screen and Face ID doesn't recognize you, there wasn't a button or anything you could press to make it scan your face again. Well, it turns out if you tilt the phone away from you and back again, it will trigger a rescan because what it's doing is something with the accelerometer. I reckon this is something to do with the raise to wake stuff. So it effectively treats it as a new raise to wake. It's a hack, but it totally works. And I've been using it this week and I'm very happy about it. Like it's fixed one of my biggest issues. If it doesn't recognize me, I just tilt away, tilt back and it does it straight away. So I like that, but I still think that there needs to be a, a better mechanism for it. But this one will totally work for me for now. I got lots of feedback about that. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that enough times, it sort of becomes like a workout. Uh, you know, if you do that like a hundred of times every day. Yeah, wrist exercises. <laughs> you should you should put some some weights on the back of the iPhone. <laughs> 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 I mean, seriously, this phone's pretty heavy as it is. So, you know. <laughs> We're going to get pictures for cases now that you can attach weights to. You know what you've mm-hmm. done. <laughs> It's like when, when Goku trains in Dragon Ball because he needs to become faster yeah. and so he puts on weights. Sure. We, we can totally <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was getting ready to bring that Especially up. Especially Steven knows. <laughs> Steven knows, I'm yeah, sure. I'm surprised that we didn't think of it before now. Exactly. It's weird yeah. I had it written down in my notebook. It's very strange. <laughs> Steven, tell us about Dragon Ball. <laughs> I can't tell you about Dragon, Dragon Ball. Dragon Steven. But I can tell you about the story... <laughs> In the San Francisco Chronicle, (laughs) Apple Park is a beautiful campus. Everything is made out of glass and dreams and hope. And the problem with those three construction methods is that people walk into them. And if you walk into dreams and hope, you're mostly okay. But if you walk into glass, you're going to have a bad time. And so this, this article has transcripts from three 911 calls from Apple's new campus. These are retained by public record requests. You can go and get these. Uh, people walking into glass and getting hurt. And that's, this is a funny story to me, but it's also, I mean, it's terrible that people are getting hurt. And like, clearly Apple has a problem on their hands, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just something about this story. Just really, it just fits so many things uh, that people complain about Apple. You know, I don't know. What do you guys uh, think? I have, I have a couple of points on this one. Uh, it's super weird to read these 911 transcripts and you should read them just because they're interesting especially yeah. because like they they're, they're really good transcripts so they pick up these like strange inflections the way that they respond to things is really interesting like every time on all three calls like the way that the address is described is very peculiarly like they also the 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 person that's calling is always really hesitant to actually talk about what's happened, mm-hmm. which I find really weird. Yeah. Like the nine one one dispatcher has to ask them multiple times to explain what has happened, and then there are these two calls which were clearly made by the same person, like the second like the last two calls, because every sentence is basically started with "It's going to be in." Like, th- th- this phrase is repeated a bunch. Like, it's going to be on the gate 
It's going to be in Apple Park. It's going to be like, they, and it's really just interesting to read these calls. Um, I think it is really uh, meme to point at this and be like, Johnny, I've can't design, but I kind of, I, I'm sorry, Stephen, I roll my eyes at this. It's just, it's a building with glass. Like I walked through a screen door at your house. It's right, true. like you, you know, this is just a thing that people do, and there are ways around it. And eventually, people will stop doing it because everyone's bleeding out. So yeah, everyone's dead. I mean, I didn't put this in here to make the point that Johnny Ive is bad at buildings, although maybe he is. I just, it's just a uh, a weird story because we don't hear we don't hear much about Apple, like their campus stuff before Apple Park, and they made such a huge deal of it, and now it's in the news again. Like it just, it's a very strange story because we, like, we don't see this sort of stuff from also apple as well when, like there were professional architects involved in this it wasn't like you yeah know, it wasn't but, all johnny you know, maybe put some banners or something on the glass i've worked in places with plenty of glass I mean, it happens but it's uh yeah it's a thing anyways yeah this this is this is going to be one of those like sad situations where they had this beautiful campus but now every wall is covered in stickers yeah <laughs> right it's like that's 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 the unfortunate part of this which i'm sure they're doing now if they haven't done already right like they're they're trying to put like some tasteful warning signs like push and pull or whatever mm. but like it's just a shame that like eventually every pane of glass is going to be covered with a health and safety sticker so so what what you're saying mike um, is i'm going to quote you back to you it's a shame to cover apple products and stickers is what you've said that's what he said it's on the record it's on the it's in it's in our audio files it's what he said i very um, nearly cursed on the show but i held my i held i held it back i, I loved i love the question from the dispatcher is this a building or a room number <laughs> because i'm t- <laughs> i'm imagining like these people <laughs> staying in an apple hotel and everybody just at their computers in the rooms. <laughs> just it's a very strange picture. Uh, but yeah, it's a. I don't know. I've never, I've never been in a, in a, I've never worked in this type of office. So I don't know. Uh, I, it, this is something that I've learned recently of like office offices with glass walls and doors and people walking into them. This is all new to me. But um, I've never walked into a glass door myself so i i guess it i suppose it hurts real bad especially like if you're you know walking like um you know you need to go somewhere and you're like focus on your phone and then you Bang. just suddenly yeah. hit your head like it's it's like that must be it, awful that must be really it awful. happen all the time can i read can i read just a little section of this of this these calls please this yes. is call two on january the second this is just to highlight the interesting text this is like a good example of it so the dispatcher what's the address of the emergency it's going to be one apple park cupertino it's going to be a medical emergency can you verify the address of the emergency? It's going to be Apple, one Apple Parkway, Cupertino. Okay, and is that a business? Yes, it's going to be Apple Campus. It's just like it keeps going on like this. It's really interesting to me. I don't understand. It, but this is obviously just the way this person talks. And it's like, it's you know, I know I have my tics. I say like a lot, right? Yeah. But it's just fun to me to read it written down like this because this person just keeps saying this phrase over and over again. Anyway, it's... It's interesting. It's interesting just because you kind of get to see the way that the the they in the protocols are. Because like the person who uh, hurts themselves is not really allowed to talk to the people. It's, they're always with. It's a security situation. They call it. It's it's all really, it's all really just weird. But it's there if you want to go see it. Uh, Federico, tell us about iTunes LP. 
<laughs> it's 2004, everyone. I think that yesterday, um, this website, which is also a newspaper, I think, mm -hmm. Metro, um, they published this uh, report based on an email that Apple was discontinuing the iTunes LP format, which is this... Um, I, I want to say interesting ex experiment that Apple did. Uh, I think it goes dates back to 2009, maybe. Um, and it it was a way for artists with with, uh, with oh, an album man. on on the iTunes store. This Metro article is so bad. Yeah, oh, it's you, terrible. You it's just terrible. you need to go and look at this. It's really bad. Like basically, yes. they they don't know what <laughs> iTunes LP is. And they think that it means all albums are being <laughs> removed from the iTunes store. Oh, gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, the, the title of the story is End of iTunes? <laughs> Question mark. Leaked uh, Apple email sparks fears over future of music downloads. Only to the Metro. <laughs> check, out the, check out the GIF, though. That's like iTunes version 6 with cover it's flow. It's good. Yeah, I'm saving that GIF. So never never mind the source, but the 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 story is that this format, which was a way for artists to essentially replicate digitally the experience of buying a physical CD album, so uh, using a, a mix of CSS. Um, HTML and JavaScript, I want to say, uh, you could uh, offer on the desktop in iTunes these extra contents, um, such as bonus tracks or the... Uh, what's the name of the notes that you Liner used to notes. get in like CDs? Liner notes. Um, video. So you could offer this basically DVD extras, but for music. And I have thoughts about this. I thought it was a cool idea. Uh, but... Uh, basically, then Apple reached out to The Verge and they sent a statement. They will not be accepting new submissions for iTunes LP content. The submissions for new LP content, if it ever... <laughs> I don't know if somebody is submitting <laughs> new content. Well, those are ending this month. I'm sorry to officially communicate this to you. Um, but the existing uh, iTunes LP albums and your purchases will live on and you will be able to re-download them and enjoy them only on the desktop because they're not compatible with mobile devices and that's just like a, a, i love that right like they're going to keep supporting it which means just more old code in itunes right like just more legacy in itunes <laughs> that's what that means poor yeah. itunes yeah yeah well what you gotta do it's a, it's an old app anyway so everything is old and i, and I, I want to say that i'm sad uh because i think and if you pay attention you could see how maybe spotify is sort of doing something along these lines, that the idea of being able to reach out to the super fans of, a, of an artist and to offer, maybe even let them pay for extra content, um, it's something that I think should have been adapted to the streaming era, which is something that, of course, Apple never did. But I could see how, if I'm really into Fall Out Boy, for example, I would love to have notes or video or bonus tracks, stuff just for me, an interactive content that I could use within Apple Music instead of having to search on Google or go to YouTube or something else. I think it's a great idea for people who are really into you know, an artist or really into music. But of course, how would you reconcile this with a, with a subscription model? Uh, and I guess that's why Apple ultimately, you know, um, it was a great idea uh, launched in the wrong time mm. period. That's the, 
the way that I think about so it. So what maybe. you want is a way to go into iTunes and to connect with the artist that you love. No. Maybe they can just <laughs> oh, no. put it in a tab in the iOS music app. Yeah, and when they're ready to talk to you, they can just ping you, and then you'll know that they want God. to speak to you and tell you about their new releases. So the the only social feature that Apple ever got right is the current one in Apple Music, and that's it. That's very good. something that happened to me a couple of days ago. Federico sent me a message, and he's like, there's this band that I think you would like. They're called Mount Joy. And I was like, okay. And I saw it, and I didn't get to it at that time. I opened Apple Music like an hour later, and it was right there, because, and it had your little face on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that album that Federico told me. And then I started playing it on my HomePod. Like, that is a great feature. It works very well. I like it a lot. It's good. Unless your friends have terrible music tastes, then it's not so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, iTunes LP, I think, um, I still think there's potential for uh, reaching out to people who want to support their favorite artists, even on a streaming platform. Um in different ways other than just give us money and you'll listen to music. Like, I would love to have notes. I would love to have interviews. I would love to have extra content. And I want to pay for it. Or I would love to have... And this is something that I think Beats Music experimented with. Um, to be able to buy tickets for concerts or buy merchandising. I think it's also something Spotify is playing with. Uh, if you go on an artist's page in Spotify, you can see links to buy merchandise on the artist's website. And I, you know, if you consider Apple as this huge install base and they have Apple Pay, why don't you do something yeah. like that? Uh, and make it, make it easy for people to support their favorite artists and go to see live music and, you know, retaining people within Apple Music because it's a virtual cycle that I think would be beneficial to everybody. But uh, you know, iTunes LP is not dead and it's going away. So uh, better uh, keep all the downloads of your favorite iTunes LP content. I think John on Mac Stories actually linked to a Wikipedia entry of all the iTunes LP albums that you can buy on iTunes because, of course, somebody made that list. It's probably the intern at Apple maintaining that Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure I have one. I, I don't <laughs> know what one. it will be, but I'm sure I have one because I remember like... When the feature debuted, like I remember the Grateful Dead one that they kept showing off on stage. I don't know why I remember that so fondly, but uh, I know that I would have bought one because that was in that stage. Well, I guess I'm still in that stage where I'll buy literally anything Apple will do since that stage never ended. <laughs> so how's your HomePod? <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Hover. Building your online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you can find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. You want to have a place online where people can come and find what you're doing. It's really important. Like, even if you have, say, a podcast and you have a website for that podcast, you still want to have a domain of your own, a place that's yours, so you can link to all of the projects that you do. It's a nice little landing page. And look, Hover is great for anything that you want to be able to put online. No matter what types of ideas you've got rolling around in your brain, you can buy domains for them. Like, I very frequently buy domain names at 1.30am. I did that, like, just a couple of days ago, because I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, and off I go to Hover. And I like that when I go there, sometimes like, oh, well, okay, somebody else has already had that idea, so they've taken over the, uh, somebody who's already got the .com. But it doesn't matter, because Hover offers over 400 domain name extensions, so you can choose from so many more. And I did just that for a domain that I was looking for, because there are some really 
really useful ones in there. I won't tell you the which one specifically because it might give something away. Hover also have great customer support. I love how easy it is to use their dashboard to set up for domain forwarding and stuff like that. It's super, super simple. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make that first step. Head over now to hover.com slash connected and get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show. So, Stephen, you wrote a little article on your web blog, 512pixels.net, where you basically told the world that the HomePod is being rotated away from the kitchen because your family rebelled against you. (laughs) That's pretty much much what happened. So I think I spoke on the show that to review it, to review anything, I really, like, I don't, I need to actually, like, use it and spend time with it. I'm not very good at, like, the, like, fast, like, 48-hour impressions type things. And uh, so for me, for the HomePod, that meant unplug the Echo and put the HomePod where it sat in the kitchen. And so I did that after, you know, the first couple of days I had it. It's been there ever since. Uh, I unplugged the Echo and put it in the hall closet, which led to a lot of questions about where the lady inside the Echo had gone from our three-year-old. He was very worried <laughs> that something bad had happened to her, which is something to think about as a parent. But uh, that's not really the, the point today. So the HomePod's been there for three weeks. And this weekend, kind of all in the kitchen, and someone asks the HomePod something, and it just botches it. I forget what it was. Some, like, simple request, and Siri just fell down. <laughs> and just kind of all of a sudden, the the family is sharing with me that they really want the Echo back in the kitchen. And uh, and so I, you know, I didn't want a rebellion, so I put the Echo back. And now the HomePod is sitting out here in the studio on the other desk, just kind of sitting there looking Sad and alone. I have I have a question for you as it relates to your children's use of these devices. Do you think that there could be a point that like they grew an attachment to the Echo because it was the first one, like it was a novelty initially, and now it's like that's the thing. So something different with a different voice isn't the same thing. Yeah, I think so. And and uh, Snell had said something silly about how his kids sometimes, or maybe it was John Sarkisa, someone said their kids use the wrong name like for my kids yeah i think that was syracuse on atp he was saying that like that they say like the google phrase to the home pod right because that wake phrase is just like the word that you start to when you want to do computer stuff with your voice like that's just the word you start with and so yeah that's definitely part of it i do but, it too like yeah. i i say like alexa when i want to trigger the home pod like i do it so it it is a thing because in my mind a voice command now is just started with that word it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily that i'm thinking about what device i'm talking to it's just like when i want the lights to go on there is a sentence that includes that so like it's it's the whole sentence includes the echo wake word as well as the command yeah so i think that's definitely definitely a factor in our case um but really, like the use cases, and I've talked about this before, we, listen, we use the Echo for music listening, checking the weather and news, setting multiple timers, and controlling like smart home stuff. And all my smart home stuff works the same with HomeKit or with the Echo. And the HomePod is like way better for music listening when it when Siri parses what you want correctly. But all the rest of it, the Echo is is better. The Echo has this really cool flash briefing thing, which, by the way, it's a little plug. Uh, we have a new show on Relay called Subnet, which you can plug into your flash briefing on 
Amaz- the Amazon Echo service. And so for me, I ask Amazon, what's the news? It reads NPR. It reads or it plays NPR. It plays Subnet, which is my own voice in my own kitchen, which is kind of funny, and then plays the weather. And you can do all on Google that. Home too. Yes, it is on Google Home. You can do all of that stuff with the HomePod, but you have to do them one at a time. Like, just some of these features that have evolved over time with the Echo, the HomePod just doesn't have. And and unfortunately, some of that stuff is exactly what we use the Echo a lot for. And so, for us, the sound quality, which is way better than the Echo, wasn't enough to offset... Okay, where all these other voice assistant type things we want to do, the Echo does better. It fits our needs better as a family. And so I don't want two of these things in my kitchen, which is what a bunch of people said. Like, we'll just have both. It's like, well, that's not that's not really an answer for us um, in our kitchen. So we're going to have one, and we're going to have one that the music's okay, it's fine, and it does the other voices and stuff better than Siri does at this point. What about hmm. it getting better, though? Like, this is a thing that, everyone is kind of hanging their hat on right now and it's true yes. right that that siri can just get better and if siri gets better then you have better hardware and competent voice assistants yeah well there is the i mean people have quoted this but it was i think it was really well said uh by marco that you're buying something for what it can do today don't buy it like on the promise of features tomorrow like that's that's a really like that's really good advice as far as buying consumer electronics but backing up a little bit the feedback of, you know, Siri will get better soon, I think is extremely short-sighted for a couple of reasons. One, Siri has been less than great on Apple's most important product for years. The iPhone, like Apple is the iPhone company, if you look at their bottom line. And Siri is an important part of the iPhone, and they haven't made real progression on it on the iPhone in a while. And they're, you know, I'm not saying they haven't done anything. They've made the voice better. They add new domains. Like it is improving, but it's not improving as rapidly as it needs to, to catch up with the echo. And so I don't understand how a, what is surely a low volume product sold just to Apple music customers is enough for Apple to like completely change their internal structure or like fix whatever's broken in the Siri team. Like whatever, whatever has made Siri slow to improve. I don't think the HomePod is the magic bullet to fix that within Apple. I just don't see it because if they were, if they really thought Siri needed improving and it's on the most important product your company makes like the, the side button on the iPhone 10, like is the, it's like the Siri button. And it also does some other stuff. And if that wasn't enough to like get Siri, get like the Siri train on the right track, then I don't think the HomePod is nearly powerful enough as a lever to make that happen. Can I provide a counterpoint? Sure. So, you know, a lot of this stuff, I would assume a lot of things that get prioritized because Apple is a company made of humans, they become prioritized when somebody important enough up the food chain realizes a problem. So what you're saying is my blog post will change this with an no, Apple. No, I'm not. It's, unfortunately, I'm not talking about your blog post, even though I'm no. sure it's been widely read and circulated because you're an influencer. Um, <laughs> but my, my theory would be that like high enough executives in Apple are probably not using Siri on their phone that often because... I think that a lot of people that are pretty confident in technology tend not to use Siri on their phone like as much as they would use it 
in a product like the HomePod because sure. the HomePod's only interaction is via Siri. So like I would assume now that if Siri is deemed to have problems inside of Apple, they are becoming more apparent now that more employees and engineers and executives will be using the HomePod as a product and realizing some of the shortcomings firsthand. So whilst I agree that like logically it doesn't make sense because Siri has been a part of basically every product that Apple shipped for the last few years, why hasn't yeah. it gotten better? I guess my point would be that maybe because it's not being used that much, so it kind of gets swept under the rug. But now that they have a device where Siri is the interface, it might prompt them to prioritize things a little bit differently because it's right in their face when they try and use the product and get less than not less than stellar results but just like not the results that they would want all the time yeah no i think that's a really good counterpoint and i don't know how i feel about like apple fixes things when the boss notices like that's a i'm just gonna side i'm just gonna put that off to the side for now although that's a really interesting conversation we should have one day uh i hope that they do fix it like i, I think some people took what i wrote or how i responded on twitter to be well he doesn't want it to improve and that's not true like i want Apple to be as good at this as Google and Amazon are. Apple should be as good as their competitors are in this market. This is a really important market, and I hope that they can they can do it. I just think that even if what you said is true, and I think it probably is, that that's not going to be overnight. Like the people in my email saying, oh, just wait to WWDC and Apple's going to have this massive overhaul. I just don't see it moving that quickly because we have – years and years of history showing that um, that it's not. And, and take something like, and I'm comparing apples to oranges, but like the, the Mac Pro conversation, right? Like it takes time for these decisions to be made and it takes even longer for the work to be done. Like I'm sure none of the three of us are anywhere near smart enough to work on this stuff. Like I can't imagine the engineering that goes into it, but I hope that they, they, that they do it. Um, now, if if we're you know, in June we're recording our post WDC show, and 2018 is the year of Siri, and Siri is like rapidly better. I don't think that means I was wrong. I think it means that this has been going on. <laughs> That's selective. <laughs> Hear me out. I don't think they can be. No, I know, I know. I as good as Amazon in the next three months. Like that's just not possible. Uh, if if. If we are going to get WWC or sometime in the fall and the HomePod is all of a sudden way better, then like that's awesome. It means Apple has noticed this, but I think it means that it's been going on uh, going on in the background a little bit. And, and you know, then why ship the HomePod late if Siri's still back? There's lots of questions in this. I think the, the big picture is today, at least, it's it struggles. Uh, it struggles with some really basic things. Um but it's not a nightmare. Like Siri on the HomePod is not is not awful. It's just frustrating, and and your mileage will vary. I know I know y'all have them and like them. I have one and like it. I'm keeping it. I'm gonna have it out here in my office. But for our needs as a family, like as a kitchen thing, it just it just uh, it just wanted the right fit right now. But I am keeping it because I, I do hope Apple fixes it, and I think that they can. Mm. And I think that they will. It's just a matter of, of how long it's going to take. Federico. There's something okay. fascinating uh, mm -hmm. yeah, th that I've noticed in the replies to Stephen. Um, well, um, the idea of... There's a common thread of 
folks on Twitter and on podcasts or websites saying, I'm sure Apple knows and they're working on this. And this is a, fasc- this is a fascinating social mechanic to me. I've been thinking about why do people think this way? Uh, why sort of almost sort of analyzing the situation? Like, w- why do some folks um, struggle to reconcile being able to like something, but also see the con- the flaws and and the mistakes in in the product or in a in a story in whatever it is. Um, there's there's a there's a group of similar like-minded individuals who um, they need to tell you that they are they are sure that Apple knows. And I've been thinking about this why. Why is this like a, such a common piece of piece of feedback that we get? Because whenever I I point out something that is not up to my standards on iOS, for example, I get this reply, and Stephen got this reply, and Mike gets this reply, and the conclusion that I've that I've come to is that for some people, hope is sort of like a powerful sedative, in the sense that they need to know, and so they say, I'm sure that Apple knows and it's working on this. And I and I wonder why that is. Why do you need that kind of conviction that, you know, Apple knows, they're working on this, they got this. Um, it's interesting to me because it's sort of, when you're having this kind of uh, discussions on Twitter, it can be fascinating to have this argument, to get into these arguments with folks who have uh, more of a more of an inclination to you know to just forgive every single mistake that Apple that Apple does, and they do make mistakes, uh, you know, because they're not perfect. They're not you know they're not gods. They're just a really good company, I think. But there, there's some stuff that needs to get better. Um, but that kind of reply it sort of defeats an entire conversation because if you're sure that Apple knows where like how, where do we go from here i think it's and this is something that i wanted to bring up a while back on the show i think it's always more productive when when we get into these arguments um to offer some kind of solution to to offer some kind of uh, like, how can this get better? Instead of saying, I'm sure it will get better. Because that that's just useless, you know? Mm. For one, it's a, it's a fake hope. <laughs> because you have this hope. You don't yeah. know for sure. Because uh, it also, seems logical. It's not a reply. But, that, but, that, but that, this isn't necessarily a logic situation. You can't just assume. Exactly. It feels like it should get better, so it will. That, that's not how these things work. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, the, that's the fatal flaw. And... Um, yeah, uh, I've seen the replies to Stephen. I've been sort of following, you know, without without getting into it. Um, I think you can like the HomePod, like I do, like Mike does. I think. I mean, I have two of you them. Like so I, I like, right? my, like you like it more than most. I like like genuinely. You you like it more than more people. Most people do. I like it twice. Than yeah, two you, times. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe a little uh, bit more than that because I because you also got rid of all of your echoes. So, which does make me wonder. Actually, I want to know, right? from you what you think about the quality of Siri because you are in this way more than most people that have this device because everybody else that I know that has got a HomePod also has an Echo which they have kept plugged in and they are probably continuing to give the majority of their like commands to during their day but you got rid of everything and switched over to the HomePod do you agree with the criticisms about the quality of Siri right now? 
Oh yeah, for sure. I do. Um, I tried the other day, like I wanted to add something to my grocery list because we've been testing any list uh, and it didn't work because the HomePod still thinks that I don't have any of these SiriKit apps installed on my devices. Um, And also like uh, there's a, I noticed that um, because of the current placement of the HomePod, it's too close to my TV and it sometimes it does not understand Mm -hmm. What I'm, what I'm asking, or it thinks that I haven't stopped talking, where instead it's the TV that keeps talking, but my request is over. Uh, so we're probably going to switch the placement to be more distant from the TV. And yes, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to, see, you know, to understand that Siri has problems. Also, you can understand that those problems exist and still like it. Um, because I would say that in my experience... Um, I I never did the news briefings uh, myself. I because you know they I'm not interested in U.S. political news uh, more than I already see them and the Italian news. Anyway, um, I listen to podcasts and stations are fine. I listen to music and music requests are, have been fine for me. And the other day I asked about like a unit conversion and it worked. And I've noticed that Sylvia is starting to, starting to, I'm talking quietly because I like, I'm bragging. I don't want her to listen that I'm bragging about this, but she's starting to ask questions to Siri, which is nice <laughs> because she's sort of, she's accepting her, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not a new roommate. <laughs> yeah, what? It kind of is. Isn't it though? <laughs> I mean, and in two rooms, so <laughs> so I think <laughs> she has accepted another person into our relationship. Um, so, <laughs> so oh my gosh, um, it's going it's going well. But also, I understand the problems, and that's fine. Uh, I want to say I'm sure that we'll get better. I'm not sure. I hope that we'll get better. But I think in spite of the problems, I'm still able to enjoy it. And if I ever come to the point where Siri is so bad, I cannot even set timers or play. Also, I should say I don't set multiple timers, so that's not a problem for me, but it is for other people, and I accept that. And I don't respond with, I'm sure it will get better, because that's just useless. Anyway... I like it. I still like it, and we're starting to like it as a family, which is nice. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I have uh, one last well. thing on this. It's just this is a purely like just a problem in my house, where um, Adina will say to me a lot, "Hey, sir." Right? She, it's just like mm. a joke that we've had for a while. She just call me sir, but like now, very frequently. She will ask me something, and someone in the room goes, hmm, which is what the HomePod does. <laughs> it goes, hmm. If, if it hears the trigger phrase, but you don't give it a command, like because she might just say it to get my attention, it just goes, hmm, in its little British accent. So that is a, that's a little thing that keeps happening in my home, which I'm sure is a problem for anybody whose name is Alex or something, right? Like, that that, that is an issue for you because it, you wouldn't change the wake word because your name is not the exact name, but, like, every now and then it's going to get confused. So I find, I, I find, find it to be funny. And so that is an interesting point because on the Echo, you can change the wake word. Yeah. And Apple doesn't offer that. I saw some, some people tweeting today that, you know, maybe it'd be nice if you could change it per device. You could call the HomePod, hey, HomePod, and you call your phone, you know, the regular phrase, for instance, because 
there is this issue, and I'm sure y'all have seen it, where for me at least it's always my Apple Watch will catch the command instead of the HomePod. Like if I raise my wrist, like if I'm doing something yeah. and I'm yeah. the, like there's this move I can do and it confuses Siri, which is hilarious. And uh, maybe it'd be nice to have some customization at some point so you could avoid that sort of thing. Yeah, I would honestly much prefer to say, hey, HomePod, like for this one device, it, it just makes sense to me. I don't know why, but like that in my mind is just more of like a thing because I'm specifically asking that device because it's not my usual system of, of voice control. Um, last thing, I want to just talk about this, uh, the HomePod and like the little movie video thing made by Spike Jonesy. Mm. Uh it features FK Twigs with music from Anderson Pack. You have to watch this video if you have not yet watched this video. It might be my favorite Apple ad of all time. It is freaking unbelievable. It is so good. I love it. Um, I I love the metaphors of it. Like everything is expanding in the house as she's listening to the music. Like I like that. Right. Like the HomePod adds all this additional dimension. Like I love this video so much um it is wonderful if you haven't seen it it's like four minutes long the music's really good the dance is really good like and but just the visuals that it creates are really cool and feels like i mean like because even the apple website is using the kind of the colored strand visuals with the homepod now i wouldn't be surprised if this becomes the template for future ads for the homepod like the silhouettes became for the ipod like it feels like a really strong visual metaphor that I like a lot, and mm-hmm. it's very, very unique. So I really love this ad. I, I really, really love this ad. It's it's a really nice piece of filmmaking. So if you haven't seen it, you should see it because yeah. it's wonderful. Today's show is brought to you by Away. Away are a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers, and they have made smart premium suitcases that you can get for under three hundred dollars. So this way, your luggage won't cost more than your plane ticket. If you're anything like me when you're traveling, what you need most is more battery. And when you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all of your devices while you travel because both sizes of the Away carry-on feature USB ports with a battery inside that's large enough to charge your phone five times from one single charge. And Away even include this handy little tool so you can just pop that battery out if you need to as well. It's super, super simple to do. Go to awaytravel.com connected right now and you can browse their selection of suitcases. They have over 10 colors in five sizes. They're all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They all have uh, four 360-degree spinner wheels. They're all compliant with TSA combination locks and with major U.S. airline spaces. So the carry-ons are all compliant with the space that you can so you can fit them in where you need to. They have uh, the ca- a carry-on, a bigger carry-on, a medium size, and a large size, and a kids carry-on as well for the smaller travelers amongst us. Um, away, cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. I have been a big fan of my away suitcase. For since I got one many, many months ago, maybe like a year ago now. Um, I've taken it on a bunch of trips, and that thing has remained intact. It gets thrown around, I'm sure, as it's being moved from place to place, because that's, I'm just, I, I shudder to think what happens to suitcases once they go into, once they go through that little curtain. Like, I don't even want to know. There was a time where I, I, I could see out of the window a, uh, like a baggage attendant from, oh, no. uh, sitting on a plane. Me and Stephen were going to WWDC, I think, and I watched the baggage attendant pick up Stephen's bag because they made him 
put it in the hold and she just threw it over this guardrail into this basket and it was all of our audio equipment so it's good to have a very strong suitcase and away suitcases are super super strong um big fan of my away case away believe so much in the quality of their products they offer you a lifetime guarantee if anything breaks at all they will fix or replace it for life which is wonderful because that means it is indestructible because you can just get it replaced they also have a 100 day trial with a no questions asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the u.s travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone to find out more go to awaytravel.com connected and use the code connected at checkout to get 20 dollars off any of their suitcases that is awaytravel.com connected and the code connected for 20 dollars off our thanks to away for their support of this show and relay fm so a couple of weeks ago uh, our friend marco wrote a uh i think what the kids call a blog post I'm not familiar with this. A blog. He wrote, he wrote a blog. That's what yeah. he did. It's like a tweet storm, yeah. but all on one page. It's very it's a very confusing medium. It's like a pod, but written down. Yes, it's a it's a written Rit- pod. pod. I quit. <laughs> it's a it's a pod storm <laughs> on, in, 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 in text. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so in this in this pod storm, Marco draws some pretty. <laughs> Harsh parallels between WatchKit apps and the Sweet Solution. And if you remember this, before the iPhone had apps, Apple, Steve Jobs said, hey, you've got Safari, just make web apps. And they did this thing where you can make, you can still do it in iOS. You can put a shortcut on your home screen to go to a website. They called it a Sweet Solution. And uh, some other people had other names for it, which I can't say on the air. Wasn't super a, a sandwich of something that you shouldn't put into a sandwich. Yes, bologna, not bologna. I don't know. And uh, I think he's right. Um, so basically, he builds this case of you know these apps, especially in the beginning. WatchKit apps weren't really like WatchKit wasn't really an app framework. You were basically just sending data from the phone to the watch and over time it's evolved a little bit where you can have logic running on the watch now and there are some good examples of watch apps but i think it's safe to say that most of them are pretty limited and there's a lot of stuff that the watch just can't do or can do if you're apple but that's not in the frameworks that third-party developers can use and basically his, his point is WatchKit only lets developers create baby apps that they're they're not sort of these full featured like rich apps we've gotten so used to on iOS over the years that comparatively watch apps are very simple, very buggy, uh very limited. And that got me thinking and I I want to see uh see what kind of we all use on our watches, you know, app wise and what we think about about the watch as an app platform and what Apple should do to maybe evolve it in the future. I don't use I don't use a lot of watch apps. Um, I love my Apple Watch, but like I was going through this list, and seriously, the the only two third party apps that I use on a regular basis are Shazam, which is ironic because it's um, technically kind of owned by Apple, um, and Workouts Plus Plus by Underscore. Um, these are the two apps that I use like every day. I would say there's also the Apple Breathe. App, which is not a third-party app, but it's a it's a it's a native watch app that I use, and sometimes I check the weather in Carrot and I check things off in Things, but 
I really don't do that often. I mostly use my watch. I've become one of those people who say I use my watch for notifications and workouts. I mean, the Apple the Apple Watch is essential for me now for fitness and all that kind of stuff. But I, I never go to the home screen. I keep very basic complications. I don't switch watch faces. In fact, I remove all the other watch faces because I don't want to switch them accidentally. I only keep one alternative workout-based watch face, and that's it. Oh, um, man, you got to have a kaleidoscope face just for the funsies. I don't... I'm not fun in that way. I stick to very basic, you know, stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's really not an app an app platform for me, which is a shame. But also, I think it should be an app platform. I don't think my usage of the watch justifies its uh, the, the the state that 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 it is right now. I would love to use more apps, but it's just inconvenient, and all the other apps that I've tried are slow, or the just they haven't been really thought for the watch form factor and i would love to have like a native overcast but that's not possible i would love to have like a native home kit app that can do all kinds of stuff in the background but that's also not possible i think um i would love to have more apps that make sense for the watch but developers can make them and so uh I, the the fact that I use my Apple Watch primarily for fitness and notifications, it means that's all I can do realistically right now. But I would love to do more. I think I use more watch apps than most people do. Um, I don't specifically know why, but I use. I mean, I use a bunch of the built-in ones, right? So I use Mail and the timer app the home app the now playing app these are all in my dock by the way all of the apps that i use are in my dock uh messages and then i use a bunch of third-party apps so i use dew workouts plus plus just press record bear fantastic and carrot weather and they are all used very frequently like i will use each of these applications multiple times a week some of them multiple times a day and i would like a lot of them to be better but I've mostly accepted a lot of the frustrations um, that come with using these applications now. But I would love it if I could have more. Like I, I would like to have like an Overcast app. I would like to have um, a Dew app that didn't get really upset when it was trying to be done when the phone is not attached to it because it's trying to do the processing somehow like the the processing of the um of the, the voice recognition stuff is not that good on LTE and i don't know what it is that's happening i don't know what the difference is whether it's trying to do more of it in the cloud or whatever i don't know but yeah i think that i use these applications more than most people do but and i'm you know it's not amazing i don't get frustrated about it specifically i just get frustrated when things don't work but a lot of the time they do work yeah i think i'm probably closer to federico on this scale i was looking through my watch and really the only third party apps i use on any sort of regular basis are carrot weather do uh, strava to start uh recording like bike rides so that's you know not every day but you know at least once a week and then to do us just to kind of check on things, check things off. None of those apps I'm doing really any entry into. It's mostly like status and like checking things off and just kind of glancing in on things. 
you know, most of these are really like glorified notifications, you know, or maybe interactive notifications as opposed to like a full rich uh, system. And, and really Carrot Weather, which I think we all three mentioned and use, I think it's probably by far the best watch OS app that I've got installed. I agree. But it, but even it feels like limited. Even on the Series 3, it can be a little sluggish at times and just it feels very basic. And that's fine. It's like I said, it's, I think it's best in class. But I think it really shows that if you, even if you really work really hard and a really good developer, it's still going to have some limitations to it. And when I read Marco's thing, he, you know, he wrote it like a week and a half ago now, I, like, I've, I found myself in agreement and I still agree with what he said. And I was like, yeah, Apple should like fix it. I think some other people said, just get rid of apps and just do notifications and stuff. And, and I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think getting rid of apps is the answer. I think Apple is well within their you know, I'm talking about earlier, they have the ability to improve this. And I think in the beginning, it was very hardware constrained. That original watch was very slow. The Series 3 is a world world apart as far as performance. And so I'm hoping that, you know, as these as this hardware evolves, that the software catches up. Because I never think, I don't think the watch is ever going to be like what Kevin Lynch like initially demoed in that, in that first keynote of like, I'm doing everything that I used to do on my phone and my watch. Like, a, I don't think anybody really wants that. And B, like, I just don't think it's super like within the realm of reality that people are going to stop carrying their phone. Like, even with an LT watch, I still carry my phone everywhere. But clearly they could improve it. And, and I think that for the two or three or five apps that most people, you know, have and use on a regular basis, like that should be, should be better than it is. So I, I, my guess is this will continue to improve, but like other stuff is just going to take some time. Like as someone who is not a developer, like I don't know what the actual limitations are. Like I don't know what is causing what. I don't know what an application could do if it could use the frameworks that Apple uses, right? Because that seems to be the problem is, right, that Apple's apps are better because they're, using, they're not using WatchKit. They're using some frameworks that Apple apps use, right? So they're able to take advantage of things differently. So my feeling is like if developers feel like that they need a better system to make their apps better then yeah i want them to have it and that would be great but i don't think that getting rid of applications completely is a good idea i actually think it's a bad idea because i use applications on my watch every day right like just because some people don't use them or some people don't use the watches at all I don't think that that means they should completely can it. Should they make it better? Yes, definitely. But the idea of the Apple Watch just being a thing that you can just get information from, I think over time I've started to move away from that a little bit because of the LTE Watch. Like the LTE Watch enables me to treat my watch like it's a little computer sometimes. Like when I'm at the gym or whatever, like I actually don't have my phone with me and it and I can do a lot of things on my watch and I want that stuff to get better mm-hmm. because I I do see a potential for this watch to be like a mini computer that just does what I need it to do without having to have a thing where I can check on my feeds, right? But like I can check an email if I need to. I can send a text if I want to. I can check the weather. I can get this like basic information from it. But it just giving me information isn't necessarily what I want. Sometimes I want to be able to act on the thing too. And I, I don't think that getting rid of all of that stuff is a good idea. I think it's a bad idea. And I actually think that it would be a detriment to the watch overall. I would love to see this stuff get better because I would like to see more complex and more full-featured applications. But I, I don't think that scrapping it is a good idea. I, I think it's a bad idea. And I actually do believe that Apple 
I I am more I actually believe more that they're more likely to improve watchOS than they are to improve Siri at a fast rate. Um it's because Siri's been around for so long, right, at this point. Yeah. And Apple's well, really good at frameworks and like system software mm-hmm. and API stuff. And Siri assumedly is a very different problem set than like building tools for developers to build on top of an OS. Like that that's Apple's bread and Especially butter. when like a lot of the tools already exist but they're just being used internally. Well sure. it feels easier to like fix up some of that stuff to release to developers than it would be to like fix a problem that they seem to have not been able to completely fix for mm-hmm. the last six years or something so i really hope that there is more that will be shown in the future on watch os like i really hope that it's going to continue because like year over year watch os has gotten so much better but maybe the, the the things that they're opening up for um developers hasn't been as strong but it would make me very sad if apps went away completely i think that that is a bad move so I, you mentioned the LTE watch, and I wanted to say that um, it's been what like uh, more than five mm-hmm. months, and I think it's just ridiculous that we still have no news as to, and if ever the the Apple Watch with LTE will become available in more countries. So I'm pretty happy with my decision to buy a Series 3 mm. standard Wi-Fi watch a few months ago because otherwise I would still be waiting. And I really like my Series 3 watch. It's faster. The battery lasts forever. But I would love to have the LTE version and I think it's super strange that we have no confirmation by Apple whatsoever. So that's too bad. And, and whilst we're on this train, like Apple Pay Cash, all that kind of stuff, like... Oh, the, yes. These are like oh, yes. should be really important things that seem to be very slowly, if at all, moving out. And I would, I really want to see stuff like that start to expand a little bit more. I don't know what's going on recently, but like Apple seem to be not being as good as they have been in the past about international rollouts and expansions for new things. So I would like to see that. There's a whole, there's a, there's a, um, there's a whole page I think on the Apple website that lists all of the features by country. And someone a while back, uh, they asked me to compile like a full article about all the regional differences of iOS features, which I think is a super fascinating story that I just haven't had the time to get to. But even if you consider stuff like indoor mapping or lane guidance in Apple Maps, those features are not available for me at all. So the literally impossible to test unless i mean i should i can look up a mall or an airport in the u.s maps i would need to go to for a driving session in the uk to test lane guidance um which is unfeasible to say the least you also drive on the wrong side so that's you can also drive, hey, hey, you can drive my car anytime you come to memphis Today's show is also brought to you by Casper. Casper are the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Hey, you spend a third of your life sleeping. That is a lot of time. Like, there isn't anything else that you spend a third of your life doing. So don't you want to make your sleeping experience the best it can possibly be? That's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. Casper mattresses have all the right support in all the right places. 
Casper combined multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce, and that is what makes them so comfortable. Their mattress des- are designed and developed in the US, and they have a breathable design to help regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress, with over 20,000 online reviews with an average rating of 4.8 stars. Casper will deliver their mattresses directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, they have a hassle-free return policy. Casper offers a 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial so you can be sure of your purchase now mr stephen hackett i believe that you are given all the right support in all the right places every evening is that correct (laughs) i am yeah we've we've got a casper we've had it for uh a while now and it's it really is fantastic the mattress we had before i kind of thought was going to be awesome and it turned out that it was really hot to sleep in like you would kind of sink too much and be warm and in memphis we have like hot humid weather basically nine months a year it was really uncomfortable, but the Casper is great for those those warm, sticky summer nights. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash connected and using connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, that is $50 towards select mattress purchases by going to casper.com slash connected and the offer code connected at checkout. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there is rumors. There is there's a lot of rumors going on right now. They're like kind of small roundupy product type things, which is kind of leading to two trains of thought. Are we going to see some kind of probably pretty chill Apple event maybe at the campus sometime within the next month or two, or are we going to get a bunch of press releases? So there are a few different selections of products, some new rumors, some old rumors. But let's run through some of the things that could find their way into a potential event. So the first off is new iPads. So we spoke a couple of weeks ago about these cheaper iPads, so kind of like a refresh to the current iPad situation uh, that is existing right now, like the 329 one. Um, so that looks like it would make its way in, but kind of nothing else, right? There's not going to be a new iPad Pro in March. In fact, there were rumors today uh, kind of trying to detail what the new iPads could look like later on this year. Um, Federico, what are these features? What what are we looking like to get from the iPad Pro line later on this year? So it looks like we're going to get the iPads with Face ID and therefore uh, there will be some kind of bezel, not bezel-free, but, you know, a sort of edge-to-edge design, like on the iPhone, I suppose, mm-hmm. and no home button, uh, again, just like the iPhone 10. and there will be both, again, a 10.5-inch and a 12.9-inch iPad Pro models, and uh, they're, you know, the latest rumors from today, they say that Apple will uh, make an announcement at WWDC again, uh, so just like last year, and maybe some kind of update to the Apple Pencil, although it's not clear what kind of feature we'll get on the new Apple Pencil, and no, uh, based on this report from Rosenblatt Securities um, <laughs> shared today, awesome? <laughs> uh, uh uh, yeah, it's called <laughs> Rosen, Rosenblatt uh, Securities. Uh, yeah. Analy- the analyst's name is Jun Zhang. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, no details as to whether there also will be a smart keyboard or new smart cover. Uh, just, you know, iPad Pro with Face ID. So that's pretty cool. But I don't think it's ready for March. Yeah, that. I mean, I would still be surprised if that is 
in June even. Like, I would be really happy to get more new hardware, but that would be a surprise to me. But it would make me feel a lot better about no new software features. <laughs> get a new fancy iPad. Yay, sure, okay. <laughs> yes. So I guess that that device would probably get a little bit physically smaller, maybe? Mm, that could that would be nice. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I mean, the bezels are already really thin on the 10 on the 12.9 that would be especially welcome because the bezels are still yeah. huge so so just this this room is both both devices yes. that would be cool i mean um, i would really like that 12.9 with either i wonder if it would be a bigger mm-hmm. screen like it would actually be bigger than 12.9 or if change the form factor bring, i thought about bring the that. physical yeah. form factor in i think personally i would prefer keep this form factor the same and give me an even bigger screen but what they're probably going to do is is just bring the device in kind of like squeeze yeah, it in i think so i don't see but them. that would be also pretty cool i'd like that too what else do we have on this rumor list what about the uh, iphone se2 uh, i think we talked about this a while back um the idea of apple doing a follow-up to this phone right i think it's been popular enough that they'll do it but it's kind of there's there are a lot of conflicting thoughts about what this device will get. So there were like a lot of different rumors from different analyst firms, and I think a lot of this stuff is just speculation. But it's informed speculation. Some people are saying that there will be significant changes, and some people are saying there won't be significant changes. I think personally, I lean towards the not significant change area. Um, I I think it would be really nice to see a, a small version, like a really small version of an iPhone 10, right? Like it has all the iPhone 10 guts in it and face ID and stuff like that, but I don't see it. I think kind of just like maybe new processor and some other little bumps here and there, but I don't, I don't foresee a super fancy future for the iPhone SE 2 at least this year. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know why would Apple make a mini iPhone 10 where the iPhone 10 is still the latest version. Yeah. I mean when they did the iPhone SE, the iPhone 5 design was already passed, I think. So, uh I don't think that that will happen. Well, and and a huge um, a huge part of the SE is the is the price. It starts at like 349 in the US and to keep that price down the easiest way to do that, I would think, would just would be to upgrade the internals, but leave the case and the machining and everything else alone. If they invest in it to make it a tiny iPhone 10, just knowing other things about Apple, I just don't know how they do that and then keep the price where it is. You know, like that. that those two things feel like they're in big conflict to me. What about this MacBook Air rumor that we're gonna get a cheaper model? Huh? Is this interesting? I, th- I think it is. You know the. The MacBook Air assumedly exists to hit a price point. It starts at $999. The 12-inch MacBook is $1299. So there's a bit of a gap there. And my my feeling is just from like talking to people and like talking to listeners and readers, and my guess is the MacBook Air still sells really well. Yes, the CPU in it is pretty old at this point, but I think people looking to to spend a grand or especially less on the uh, on a notebook, like I don't know if that's the, the biggest priority to them to have the newest CPU. So this this rumor is weird because it just says a price drop. People have attached all their hopes and dreams for the MacBook Air to this rumor. Like I, I don't I don't think I don't think it's going to get a Retina display. 
I don't think it's going to get Thunderbolt 3 probably unless it's just in, if they upgrade the CPU then maybe that comes along with it. But I think at the very least we could see an 899 or even a 799 according to a rumor today MacBook Air. And uh I think a 799 MacBook Air even if it doesn't get any CPU increase, I still think it would sell really well because it's it's big for students. It's big for people who just need a Mac and don't have the budget for something nicer. Uh, and for people who buy them in bulk, a lot of MacBook Airs still get passed out within businesses as part of large deployments. And so a $799 retail price, if you're education or buying in bulk, is maybe you know $749 or $699. That is really interesting to me. That would be by far the cheapest notebook Apple's ever sold. And I think I think it would continue to sell well at that price. So uh Maybe this is March. Maybe it's later. Maybe there's a CPU update. But my my gut says it's more or less the same machine it is now, but noticeably cheaper. And uh, I think even at eight ninety nine, I think that's that's a, a lower enough price that I think more people would look at it. Um, maybe switching to the Mac for the first time. You know, the the Mac Mini uh, to bring up Apple's other old machine. When it was announced, it was really cheap, and part of that that pitch was, hey, if you want to switch to the Mac, this is the easiest way to do it because it's super cheap and you just plug all your stuff into it. Well, people don't use desktops anymore. They use notebooks, and Apple doesn't really have a switcher notebook anymore. I think the MacBook was supposed to be that, but until they can bring the price down, it's not. And uh, you know, something $799, $899, somewhere in there competes with a lot of you know mid-range PC notebooks. I think it'd be interesting. I hope they do it. So I have a question for you, right? Because I, I don't know this. Um, mm-hmm. I know that like the some of the older iPads and some of the older iPhones sticking around in the iOS line, there were like a lot of complaints that those devices were holding back iOS and it was like making it difficult for developers because sure. they had to keep targeting for these slow underperforming like the, like devices. Like the A5 processor hung around forever. Yeah. Is this the same on the Mac? Like, is this the same kind of problem? I don't I don't think it is at this point. Um, the system requirements for macOS High Sierra go back all the way to, like, some 2009 machines and the rest of it kind of like 2010. So you're talking about machines that are seven years old can still run High Sierra. They might not run it great. I've run High Sierra on some of these older machines. And honestly, if you put an SSD in them, it's more or less fine. So I don't think they're at that point quite yet because the the MacBook Air that is for sale today, if you walk in, if you're walking in Apple Store right now and buying a MacBook Air, it's really basically from 2015, and so I think they're well within that sort of like margin of acceptable performance. So I don't I don't really worry about that uh, with the MacBook Air at this point. So if we were going to look at, so we got these right refreshing the iPad, refreshing the iPhone SE2, a price drop in the MacBook Air. And if there was going to be an event or like a big kind of PR thing, it would probably also include air power and some refreshed watch bands and cases. This isn't an event, is it? Like this doesn't feel like an event. I I can't imagine somebody getting on stage for this selection of things. No, I mean, you still need need the the big product. If you're making an event, especially, you know, Apple is under so much scrutiny from the entire industry you cannot make an event to announce a cheaper macbook air and a wireless charging mat and a bunch of bands for your watch 
and an iPhone SE. It just feels like like these will all be welcome products, but they are press release products. They're not. It feels yeah. yeah so. if, it would be like a press release event, like a bunch of minor products all clustered together with people getting on stage to repeat their specs and prices. Like it would be a boring event, unless there's a, a surprise of some kind, but I, I don't think we've seen any mentions of surprises are coming. Yeah, you know. like the, on, the only thing that I think could, could slot in here, but there are no rumors of it and it's not expected, would be a new Apple Watch. Right, like I feel like if there was a new version of the Apple Watch, you could maybe make that the headliner and then do this other stuff. But I don't think that we're due for that. No, right? like I don't think that that's going to come. But like that, that feels like it's something that could fit in here, which is outside of the usual kind of flow of the events. But I don't think we're ready for that even. No, because that was refreshed in September. So exactly. Yeah. I want to buy a bunch of air power mats when they come out because I'm really looking forward to that. And also, I suppose the updated AirPods with the with the case because I just assume that Apple is launching the air power mat and the new AirPod case together. So yeah, I, I would... think that that won't just be the case. Like I think it will be the, those rumored refreshed AirPods. Like I I think it'd yeah. be really weird for them to just release the. I know that they will release the case as a separate thing that you can buy for your existing ones, which is fine. But like yes. at this point, I feel like they could probably they probably have some an AirPods update nearly ready, and who even knows where AirPower is, right? So it's like they may as well just wait and do those two things together. So there's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, I've I'm gonna start. This is the point where, in in our notes, we we have something that says Federico's surprise story, which um, <laughs> the guys have no idea nope. what I'm talking about, and there are no notes. Federico really likes to do this. He really likes to tell us, like three days before the show, I have a secret surprise mm-hmm. story for you, and then mm-hmm. that's it. Because I. I feel like the surprise brings out the interesting questions in you, mm-hmm. Mike, uh, because you really react positively to the surprise and it makes for a good show. <laughs> so do, that's why I, I do, do like it. surprises. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to start from the, uh, the main problem that happened. Now, I don't want you to um, be concerned, but I lost everything on my Synology. <laughs> What? Oh, okay, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We need to go back a little bit to last weekend, I think, here, from my perspective of Federico sending us a message that said, I lost the drive on my Synology, but like, was you said, yeah. like, thank God for Raid 1 or something? You were super proud of something you'd set yes. up. So I am expecting that that yes. is how this story begins. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, oh, um, no. a couple of weeks ago, uh, in the middle of the night, Sylvia and I, we start hearing this loud beep sound. And it just wouldn't stop. It's like, what is going on here? Uh, all our devices were set to silent. Um, and the, the, the sound was coming from the living room. So I go to the living room and like, I look around and I realize the beep is coming from the Synology which is this home server that we were using to store personal backups and our TV show and TV show episodes and movies. And so I log into the Synology web interface and it says that one of the one of the drives had failed. 
And it was, it was like 1 a.m. I didn't want to look into it. I was like, I'm just going to turn the beep sound off and I'll think about this tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, no, you can't do that. Like, that's, that's wild. I d- right? didn't, don't want to, you know, deal with file system issues in the middle Speak of the Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you like to do. So um, what I'm about to share is going to drive some folks, especially those who like to debug file system problems, really upset. Mm. Because yeah. I, uh, my, my course of action has been really different from what those people might expect. So um, the following day, I log into the Synology and everything is super slow for some reason. And it says, volume one is degraded. It's like, what, what does it even mean? That vo- what is, first of all, what is volume one? <laughs> That was my question. It's like, what yep. does it mean that it's degraded? Um, <laughs> this complex terminology, which I really don't like. And everything starts being super slow to the point where I cannot even open the system preferences to change settings. It just it would not respond. And it starts beeping again. But I cannot open the settings to turn the beep sound where off. Where are these settings? I've never used a Synology. What, what, is, what device are you using? It's uh, so the Synology runs um like a fork of Linux. Oh, uh, so this is all on it. You're like trying to do with it on it. Okay, and this is all on it. And and you log you log into the web interface using like a local IP address, mm. and you have this Linux interface which has been modified by Synology. And you turn the beep sound off by opening like the like some kind of preference screen, mm. and there's it says turn system alert off. <laughs> turn off okay. the beep. So that. <laughs> Turn off the turn off the damn beep because I really don't want to hear. Um, and, and it wasn't working, so everything was unresponsive. And I was trying to uh, like to use an interface uh, in the volume manager thing um, to understand what was going on, and it just wouldn't work. And I start doing some googling around, and everybody's recommending that you uh, install Linux and you do this manually, like you 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 understand what is going on with the file system, which is uh, X four. I don't even know what it means. Uh, this is like it sounds like a John Syracuse nightmare, but it's a bunch of. <laughs> ter- terms that I don't understand. So what I do is I text Stephen. And I'm like, so uh, let's assume that I have a SATA um, drive, like a 3.5-inch drive, and I need to access the contents of this drive. What do I do? And Steven tells me, well, you need an adapter, and you need to... Uh, and I was like, does this work? So I send him like, an, like a screenshot or a link, and he's like, yeah, it should work. Um, so I talk to my girlfriend, and I'm like, I guess we should somehow extract the contents of the drives... Um, at least the one that is working, uh, and at least try to salvage this situation and maybe reinstall the Synology OS from scratch. We make a backup of the drive, and then we reinstall, and we hope that the issue goes away. So we go to the ele- uh, to the electronic store, and I buy this adapter. Uh, but I don't look on the description on the bo- on the package. That was my fault. So I come back home and I connect this adapter but it was an adapter so the SATA connector is the same but if you have a 3.5 inch drive instead of a 2.5 inch drive um, just the adapter itself will not power the drive on people ask me why I don't bother with network attack storage (laughs) hold hold on hold on so um, 
the drive will not spin. It will not make a sound. And I was holding my ear against the drive to hear if it was actually spinning, but it was not spinning. So I was like, hey, I text Steven again. I was like, uh, it does not turn on. He's like, yeah, you may need like some external power source. So I go on Amazon. Um, and the the adapter and the whole box is beyond the state of being returned to the electronic store at this point. Like I think I opened it using scissors or something. Like it was it was like the package was entirely destroyed, and it was like a ten euro adapter. So whatever, I just keep the adapter. I don't want to go to the store. Um, so I go on Amazon and I buy a docking station, uh, <laughs> which is like this. <laughs> It's like this, it's like this this cradle thing where you put the drives wow. in, and it, it's got a power. It's like a cable that goes into the wall and it powers the drives, and you connect them. So I wait three days for the docking station to arrive, and in the meantime, I discovered this tool called Paragon for Mac which allows you to um, read the contents of drives that have a file system that is not officially, like a format that is not officially supported by macOS. In this case, this X4 format. It's like, okay, I'm going to wait for the docking station, connect my drives, and with Paragon, I will be able to open the file system and there will be, I suppose, like a user folder and I will copy everything into my MacBook storage. So the docking station arrives and I connect the drives, they spin, they power on. I see the drive in Paragon. I was like, okay, I did it. I was very proud of myself until I realized that um, the all the folders that were exposed in in the drive were like system stuff and my user data was encrypted. Oh, 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 oh no. <laughs> So I was like, I, I was like, oh no! Uh, I go to YouTube and there's like, here's how to recover data from your Synology, even if it says that the drive has failed and the volume has crashed, uh, because in the meantime, yes, the entire volume has, had crashed and and I couldn't even reboot my Synology anymore. And I watch these tutorials on YouTube. There's a guy who is spelling out Linux commands that you're mm. supposed to enter in the terminal. And at the point, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Uh, I'm never. Um, I don't want to install Linux. I'm not. I actually even tried to make a USB key uh, Ubuntu drive, um, and it just it, nothing worked. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make a partition on my MacBook. This would have never happened if I had an Apple computer because at least it would have given me some terminology that I would understand or it would have given me an actual interface that I could use instead of a guy spelling out commands for the Linux shell. I know that people love to solve these problems. I hate these problems. I hate this kind of, oh, you have to do it yourself because there's no GUI for you. Uh, this is not at all what I like in computers. So I have made the decision that I will buy a Mac Mini. It's the end of times. <laughs> This is like a trail of just like really questionable decisions that you have made so far. I realize that now people are going to send me all kinds of recommendations on how to recover data 
from a Synology They're literally drive. happening in the chat room right now. So, like, you know, you've got, you've got a whole situation ahead of you here. No, here's my reply. If you want, if you, if you are like a normal human being and you want to come to my house and do this for free and you're not weird and you're not creepy, get in touch with me. But nobody will do this. So I don't have the time for this. I don't have the patience. I don't have the knowledge. I, it's not fun for me to do at all. I don't want to go to a technician who will do it for me and see my data. Thankfully, the personal data that was stored in the Synology, for some reason, I don't know why, but a few months ago, I had copied everything in my Dropbox account. So all we lost is effectively our Plex library, which is fine. I can rebuild that. I, could, I can rebuild it. I can make it stronger. I can, I can re-download stuff. <laughs> um, if, if personal and sensitive and highly important work and personal data was stored in the Synology, I would have probably gone to greater lengths to make this work, to recover that data. But because it's just a bunch of Plex fold, media folders, I just don't care. I think I've lost a little bit. Didn't you lose just one drive? Why is everything... No, I said that both failed. Oh, and, uh, okay, okay. I don't know what happened. Something in the file system happened, obviously, that was mirrored to the other drive as well because they were in RAID, in a RAID configuration. So something happened. I don't know where, how, or why. I don't even know what it means that a volume is degraded. Like, it's, I need normal human words for this stuff and I need a normal interface and I realized that and this is this is going to be a bigger topic but what happened is that I realized that um, I have a bunch of stuff that I've tried over the past two years and I just don't have the patience for that stuff anymore and I want to sell every of these accessories of these devices that I bought because ultimately the Apple stuff is the Nvidia shield included in all of this the Nvidia shield has been already reset and put in the box <laughs> 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 um, so this is a change that is happening in my life right now that I'm sure we'll talk about again on the show but I realized that despite all the issues that I have with Apple software and hardware sometimes, it's never driven me this crazy or it's never caused me these kind of problems. And for better or worse, the Apple stuff works for me quite well. And it's designed for humans. It's not designed for Linux nerds. I just don't have the time or patience or... It, I just don't like doing this. And so um, it's sort of this problem, this entire situation that really stressed me out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it became this bigger theme of I bought a bunch of devices over the past couple of years because I wanted to explore. And I'm glad I did that. I wanted to try a bunch of different things. But now I realize that I'm, I'm happy when everything is, consi is consistent and is made by Apple and it works and it's got a UI that I understand and it does not require me to type out commands in a shell. Um, so I'm going to sell a bunch of these things and I want to buy a Mac Mini. 
but there's an entire discussion to be had about the Mac <laughs> Mini, which we probably should have next week uh, because it's a big topic. But this this surprise well, not, was not meant not to be week, an because Stephen's not here next week, and I can't help you. Yeah, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, so I'm gonna. I'm still doing my research. I'm still doing my research about what I want and what I want to do. There's uh, things that I plan on selling, so I already uh, I'm I'm doing my research in terms of what it costs to ship stuff. I have a big box uh, outside <laughs> um, where I'm keeping all the stuff, like in our garage, where I want to sell all these things. Uh, but yeah, it's been a sort of like an epiphany, like this single this single thing broke, and the entire system, just like my Synology, I guess, the entire <laughs> system crashed. And, so, uh, so yeah. what you're saying is that you have uh, you've returned to your eBay store ways, really? That's what you're doing? <laughs> you get to use your you get to use Kinda. your training. I can use my eBay skills right. again. Um, so yeah, um, it's this. I guess the surprise was meant to be sort of an appetizer for this idea of I'm happy when with my Apple devices because they're not perfect. Uh, Apple makes some really questionable decisions sometimes, but you know what? Their stuff works and it's visual, it's friendly, which you cannot say the same thing for Linux. Which I'm keeping my Raspberry Pi because it does something that, you know, that I need, but also that could probably be run on a Mac mini home server. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, this was a surprise. I, I did a su- are, are you are you concerned? <laughs> you no you? no. I actually, I mean, I'm really sorry that you went through this. I'm really glad you didn't lose yeah. anything important. Uh, you know, I did a similar thing. I had a Synology. I had a hardware problem with it. I now use a Mac Mini and a Drobo. But like, I know that if that Drobo explodes, it can be extremely difficult to get data off of them. And so I and like I shared this with you when you said that you know because I asked you it was like you know oh my gosh did you lose anything important? I keep. There's like regular old, like unencrypted USB portable hard drives that I, you know, I back up that Drobo to, uh, you know, once a month or so. And so I've got everything safe and sound on a device that is very simple and that I trust completely. And so I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. And I, 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 just, I totally get it because, you know, especially if you're doing like file sharing and stuff, that's just easier on the Mac. Like the Synology is really powerful, but it, it, it has a lot of overhead that I found unnecessary. And I think maybe that's what you're responding to as well. It's like, I can just have a Mac, I can have Mac, a Mac mini. I can run Mac OS on it. I don't even have to run Mac OS server because it's not a thing anymore. And you can just share it to your network and it's going to work. And, and you, you're going to get the benefit. And what, what I guess is going to happen is that you will find uses for that Mac mini. Like, you, you know, having an always on Mac can be helpful for different things. And so, you know, you'll be able to run backblaze and back up the external drives. Like, I think this is a, a going to be a better setup once you kind of get through the pain of the migration. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's there's been a lot of discussions with Sylvia here about, and she for once she the, she's like, I told you, just like the guys she said uh, many years ago that you should have bought a Mac Mini. I was like, you know, all of you that you were right, but I wanted to I wanted to explore. I wanted to have my wilderness ears yeah. to understand what was out there and I needed to try stuff for ultimately to just to realize, you know, <laughs> no, not for me. The, the, this is why I, I don't 
I have no interest in looking at something like a Synology because I already know how I will be when I'm having the cold sweats of trying to fix these problems. And like you describing that to me, like if this happened to me today, I I wouldn't be able to deal with it. Like I'd be like, well, I can't do anything now because I don't have the time to sit and fix this problem like i wouldn't have even gone as far as you did i would have had to have just got up and walked away from it like with where i am in my life right now i need my technology to be doing it for me i i wouldn't be able to deal with something like that um so i completely sympathize with you i'm sorry so well uh yeah it's fine thankfully just media files so uh that that's totally okay, but it was still stressful because I, at least I, I wanted to try, but I couldn't because it's way beyond my skills and my knowledge. Um, anyway, this will be, I suppose, like a continuing topic of uh, Federico gets rid of all the stuff and is considering a Mac Mini. So uh, be on the lookout for updates on this story. Bring us home, Stephen. <laughs> If you want to find show notes this week, links and stuff we've talked about, you can do so over on the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 183. If you want to go visit Federico and fix his hard drive, you can get in touch with us. You can send us an email through that webpage, or you can find us on Twitter. You can find Federico. He's the most important one this week at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And of course, he writes the, what do we call it? What, what are blogs called now? Uh, Podstorm. Podstorm. He writes the Podstorm, MacStories.net. Uh, and this Mac Mini is going to put the Mac back in Mac Stories. I'm very excited. You can find Mike as I-M-Y-K-E. And you can find me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. We should thank our sponsors this week, Hover, Away, and Casper. They made all of this possible. And uh, I guess until next time, boys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios. <laughs> I don't have it yet. I, don't, I just don't have it yet. You're just supposed to say, you guess say bye. But I can't though because I've listened for like five years to that specific end. So like I can't get it out of my head. It's the only thing I can think of. <laughs>